We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The haters were saying that the Chiefs would never make the playoffs. The haters were saying the Chiefs were done. If you knew the Chiefs were going to win the division, let me hear you say, hell yeah. <laughs> Before we started this season, the AFC West said we were rebuilding. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know what rebuilding means. In our rebuilding year, we're world champs. Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. I will right. give Kelsey one thing. I think Nate... Or Nate, our own Nate Geary did pick them to miss the playoffs. So did Bart Scott. Right. So two people. Two people. Um, I can't stay mad at Kelsey because he's doing that. And at the end, when he says, give me a hell yeah, like, <laughs> okay, you're being a professional wrestler. <laughs> exactly. All right. Yes. Travis you Kelsey's, have a future in the WWE. He's being a professional wrestler up there. Give me a hell yeah. Oh, okay. Mahomes, I don't even know what rebuilding means is one of the things he said up there. It was a rebuilding year. Okay. Come on. I don't know what rebuilding means. It, and that this this was our rebuilding year and we're world champs. Maybe there were two people that picked two people that we know of picked the Chiefs to, mi- to miss the playoffs. Was there one that's ever called it a rebuilding year? Probably somewhere some But here's the thing. Somebody picks them to miss the playoffs before the season. We're five games into the year. It's like, okay, they're not going to miss the playoffs. They're going to be fine. <laughs> like, there are people. Yeah. That, I, I've got I've got uh, breakdowns. I've got scout profiles thinking Patrick Mahomes wouldn't be good. Stu Gatz on a Dan Levitard show. Yeah. Famously a rant about how <laughs> Mahomes was never going to be any good. Right. How long can Mahomes walk out there and act like that's a thing? Right. Because anybody that even that been, ramp, by the way, from before he ever even played a snap. Right. I guess we can all count on when Josh Allen leads the Bills to a Super Bowl, which hopefully he will. We'll yeah. get well. Oh, everybody said he wasn't going to be good. That's right. And then they saw that he was, and they immediately said, "Never mind, this guy's awesome." Right. They said he wasn't good when he wasn't good, and then when he was good, they said he was good. Ooh. But these Chiefs, well, these well, Chiefs, acting like nobody believed in them. Joe, I don't know how to get the position of commissioner of sports, but. I think someone should be in that job. If I were commissioner of sports, I would make talk like that punishable with draft picks. You, Patrick Mahomes walks to a podium and says, no one believed in us. Loss of a fourth. First, first round pick. First round you pick. You just lost your first round pick. Wow. And if you've won a title and you win your second in like five years, that's two draft picks and forfeit a home game. Uh-huh. You can't insult us all like that. Right. And claim... To be some sort of scrappy underdog. You were the one seed. Play a road playoff game before you say that you Play were Play one road underdog. playoff game in your life before claiming that no one believes in you. That's the worst part of sports right now. Is that everyone thinks they have to be doubted. Right? The Warriors, this happened when they just won their championship. The Warriors, who have been... 
A dynasty. A, the dynasty of this sports era. They won the title, and there's Clay Thompson digging up a tweet from like a bench Memphis Grizzly player from like two <laughs> months before. That's right. That said that the Warriors weren't going to win at all, or the Warriors weren't any good. Like, well, how about us now? Like, buddy, how hard are you trying? And I know Mahomes here, re- rebuilding here. Can we really be that critical of it? I, I'm, I'm t- yes, pa- <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I did just say I would dock draft picks. <laughs> yes, but okay. How many Bills fans after the the week three loss to Miami? Uh huh. You know, hey, it shouldn't have happened that way. Dolphins fans are in your mentions on Twitter saying they figured out Josh Allen. They're going to win the division. And then fast forward three months, how many Bills fans dig back into one of those mentions? One of those fans they yeah. met on week three and says, "There's a Dolphins fan on Twitter that I only know because he basically made a living off." Going back and forth with Bills fans uh-huh. all year. And what happened when the Bills knocked him out of the playoffs or won the division? There was a whole lot of how do you like me now, right? Sure. This is most of our sports discourse right now is someone saying, you're not good, and then, oh, how do you like me now? Well, Tra- on the flip side, were Bills fans not annoyed all year that they were the Super Bowl favorite? A little bit. It was an uncomfortable feeling for for plenty of people. Right. Even now, like they don't want to hear that they're only behind the Chiefs. When it comes to the odds, which maybe we could talk about later, like whether that, that means anything. That depends. But, I have seen them behind the Bengals. Oh, okay. Have you? Yeah. So maybe that's changing I, a little bit. I've seen them behind the Bengals, which would place them as the third bet in the AFC. Listen, if the Chiefs want to keep being underdogs, though, they haven't been, by the way, when I say that. But if they want to keep acting like they've been doubted, it's going to be a it's going to be tough for them. Like, Brady won six with the Patriots and then the seventh. He always had, I was a six-round pick. He always had that, and it was always brought up as the chip on his shoulder. What is the thing Mahomes and Kelsey are going to always be pointing to? Brady last year said that he listened to television announcers and said bleep you when he watched oh, them criti- when they when they criticize him. Like he gets criticized. Hey, man, maybe some guys just need that. I guess it's a habit. Didn't was it Mac Jones? There was a Patriot player that put a picture of. Was it a picture of the Bills beating them in Foxborough was, in their locker? It, it, it was the headline from the perfect game. The headline from the perfect or the, game. The sports was it, clip it was from, Mac Jones, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, 47-17, put it in his locker. So I think maybe some... B- Baker Mayfield had a list. We have our list of uh, draft pundits that are picking the Bills to pick running backs. <laughs> we are making that list. Baker right. Mayfield had a list of media people that said he was going to be terrible. And like he kept that in his locker. So... It might just be that some guys... This is why I appreciate Von Miller. Von Miller seems like one of those guys that he doesn't care. I'm, I'm just going to go be great anyway. I don't need I don't need to look at social media or TV, or I don't need to find my way to extra motivation. I'm just going to do it. He's a very positive person. Super. The most, He's a very the most positive, positive person. person ever. Up the there. world could be... An asteroid could be hurtling towards Earth He'd find tomorrow, a- and Von Miller would make <laughs> me feel okay about it. Yeah. Tom and East Aurora, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, um, I'm calling because uh, I think a little bit of what uh, the talk is about how they were feeling that they were overlooked and they, they took a step back is a little bit of their own projection about how they felt about going into the season, trading Tyreek Hill, having a bunch of rookies on offense, things like that. It's almost like they almost have to make themselves feel better about how they felt going into their own season about their own team. So I think it's just that's what it is when guys start talking like that. It's just projection about their own feelings. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. Mick could be right. Maybe. I mean, they knew that they were reinventing their team a little bit with no Tyreek Hill. Did they think, did Mahomes not know how it would look? Probably, right? 
Yeah, the did other... Kelsey not know? Like, did they think? Yeah. Well, I let, wonder how this is going to go. Let's dig into that a little bit because the, there's that angle of it, like the sports divorce, the Sabers and Eichel, ugly divorce, root against them, hope you lose all the time. That's not the case with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill was they sent him along to get a better opportunity to catch more balls, make more money. I mean, Hill was saying very nice things about Mahomes and Kelsey. Andy Reid said, nobody's happier for Tyreek than me. Yeah. Like, the the divorce between the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill was not any sort of, they have to prove they can't do it, they, sure. they can do it without him, and they hate him. That was just... No, Tyreek even, on his side, he tweeted during the Super Bowl yeah, that... everybody was yeah. good. Yeah. Everybody was happy. So they're not, like, proving Tyreek Hill wrong. Right. But and, there still could have been doubt as to how... There could have been doubt as to how a, how they would have been able to maintain their level of dominance. Which would have been fair. I mean, the advanced stats of it would tell you that going into this past season, Tyreek Hill was the most important non-quarterback in the entire NFL. Yeah. And he had another year to back up that level of investment from Miami. He's one of the most important players that's not a quarterback. It's Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill. And to mm-hmm. take that guy off of your roster means you're going to have to go through some pretty significant changes. And the Chiefs are the kind of team that's good enough to do it. Yeah. Or at least they have the quarterback that's good enough to do it in the offense. Do you have a take on the Eric Bieniemy stuff? Bieniemy has had, I think it's up to 17 interviews. Yeah. And never getting a head coaching job. And there are plenty of suggestions that that's got to be some because of structural racism. Um, I don't know. Is there how many other guys get seventeen job interviews and don't get a single job? Nobody, right? Nobody. Never happens. And now this it's, is happening with coordinator, even maybe a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. Especially with the track record of success. I mean, their their offense has been consistently excellent. Yeah. And you might say, well, that's Andy Reid's offense. That doesn't matter. Coordinators underneath the head guy get poached all the time. Yeah. Think of Kyle Shanahan's guy. Mike McDaniel left. I mean, how many? interviews did he need one he's out the one. door yep zach taylor with sean mcveigh like you, you you get these coaching trees that branch off pretty quickly here's shane steichen with a new new job in indianapolis yep and Bienemy has been with reed forever and can't get a job so and that's after by the way the guy he replaced right matt nagy matt nagy got a job off andy reed and was and was terrible he was horrible and now works for the chiefs again right Bien-Ami, the one thing it's only one player, but LaShawn McCoy has made comments about Eric Bieniemy and why he has not been employed. And actually, he followed up on that. So this last year, remember the early in the season where Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy were like yelling at each other on the sidelines? Yeah. McCoy replied underneath that video, all Bieniemy does is argue with the players, knows nothing about passing or play calling. And McCoy said, who he was in, he was in Kansas City for one year. It was one year in Kansas City. Yep. He said, quote, there's a reason why every year they keep hyping up to get a head coaching job or an offensive coordinator job somewhere else, and he doesn't get one. He talks to players a certain way, and some players would take it. There's some questions I'm going to ask. Everyone's accountable. It's not because he's a black coach. That's not why he's not getting hired. That is not the reason. McCoy has been critical several times of him. He's made other comments, too, about why he hasn't gotten a job. So... When I see a guy get 17 interviews, and I got at least one former player that is saying it's not because of racism, in this case, it's because he treats people behind the scenes a certain way, 
I might want to buy that. I might well, want to buy there's something about this guy that nobody wants him to be the leader of men. The only potential, I think, obvious problem with that is that could be true of a lot of coaches that get jobs. Yep. How many coaches do we ultimately find out don't have good relationships with their players? Sure. Don't treat players with respect. I mean, the Bills have had coaches like this and still get jobs. That's fair. Yep. So it's it's not – I mean, I'm not dismissing what McCoy says. You don't often get that level of analysis from anybody. Who, how many how many players will talk negatively about any coach? Oh, it never happens. Ready? Like, let's make the list. You've got McCoy on enemy. Yeah. Next? Who's up next? Uh, It just doesn't happen that yeah. much. The guys will go on the record to say – Kyler Murray kind of criticized Cliff Kingsbury, but like okay. – But not directly. Right, no, direct, just, direct criticism, it never happens. Almost never. Yeah. Because you never know when you're going to be playing for somebody again. It's such a carousel bouncing around the league from one spot to the next. Yep. Seeing Matt Nagy celebrate with the Chiefs, <laughs> I had this thought of once you're once you're in that coaching circle, in that the orbit of a great coach like an Andy Reid, yeah. you're made for your life. It right. doesn't matter how bad you are in Chicago. You've got another job waiting for you. Just, you just go back. Yeah. And do what you do, and here's a ring. You get a ring for it. It's a nice life. Well, it's a nice it's a nice uh, safety valve safe. to have. It's safe. Yeah. It's probably a ton of work, but you're always, you're right. always going to have something there. You're always going to have something to fall back on, no matter how epically you fail. Nathaniel Hackett, yeah. one year, horrendous, immediately an offensive coordinator right afterwards. Yeah. Like that, just... That's another mark against the whole, how come the enemy can't get a job? Here's Nathaniel Hackett, who publicly embarrassed himself yeah. weekly, oh. gets fired after one year, and well, he's immediately an offensive coordinator again. Well, is Biennemi, I mean, he's taking an interview in Washington, and we'll see if he gets that job. How much of it do we think is he's just living in Andy Reid's shadow? I just brought up the Nagy factor, so we know that doesn't eliminate you from getting a job. But, like, if he goes to Washington, do we think he's going to become a head coach? Like, do we think that works for him? Like, I don't know if I want to bet right now that he'll ever become a head coach. If he goes to Washington right now, how's that going to go? Sam Howell right now is their number one quarterback, yeah. first of all. And maybe they end up on someone better. Maybe they get in the car or the Tannehill sweepstakes. Maybe they draft a guy. But could that do it? If he takes a non-Mahomes quarterback and he makes that work, does he not get a job next year? It is the number one way to get a job is to grow a quarterback. So maybe that, that's it. That's what that's... He doesn't get credit for growing Mahomes. And that, that plus any... Thing that might be out there about the way he treats players behind the scenes, if that's real, and also being that he could be suffering from a little bit of, oh, it's Andy Reid's offense. I, there could be three things he has to overcome right now. And he's got he's to knock one of them off. He's got to disprove one of them, or maybe he won't get, maybe he just won't get a job, I guess. Could he, could he stay in Kansas City forever and not get a job? I guess that's possible. Yeah. But who is that? Who are the coordinators? Like Josh McDaniels, maybe was in New England forever, but he got he got a crack. How early? Like year two? Denver, and it went terribly. And he's since got a second and third job. He got offered the Colts job and then the Raiders job. Right. So he's not even a good comparison for this. He's who, gotten three jobs. Who's the coordinator that just stayed where he was forever and never got the head coach? Like Dick LeBeau, right? Like with Pittsburgh or something, or more Tom Moore. Um, who was with the Colts, but, like, it is rare. It is super rare. And I feel like most times you would think it comes from the the person, right? But Dick LeBeau was a head coach. 
Oh, he was head coach. Yeah. Okay. He was the head coach of the Bengals for a couple of years. Okay, so that one doesn't work either. So uh, maybe there isn't a comparison. Yeah, he eventually got a job. Didn't last. Then went to Pittsburgh for 10 more years. He's a Hall of Famer, only lasted two years as a head coach. Yeah. Hmm. Well. Well, maybe he'll go to Washington and it'll work. Maybe. Sam Howell. How about Rex? The fo- re- a re- here's a really <laughs> funny, get a head coaching a job first. <laughs> really funny thing happened on the way to Rex being the defensive coordinator in Denver, if he is. So before Sean Payton got took the job in Denver, Rex went on ESPN and said, "I don't see this happening in a million years." On what him Sh- in Denver? On, on Sean oh. Payton going to Denver. Oh, he said, "I don't see this happening in a million years." I could see Payton going back to New Orleans, maybe bringing a quarterback named Tom Brady with him. That's his take on ESPN. Fast forward two months, yeah. a, a month, and he's going to go work for Sean Payton. In Denver. In Denver. Where he said it wouldn't happen would in a happen. million years. So I guess a couple questions come out of this. Does he have a relationship with Payton, and Payton was not going to do Denver until they talked him into it? Uh-huh. Because you don't necessarily have to – we see often that coaches will hire people they know. You're yeah. always going to work with people that you know. But it's not always the case. Brian Dable got a lot of credit for just going out and grabbing Wink Martindale, who he had not worked with right. before. McDermott with Dable, right? I believe so. He had never worked with Dable, I don't think. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing. Sometimes you get credit for going outside your own circle and grabbing somebody. Man, Rex, though. Rex, <laughs> that's outside your own circle. Okay. I mean, he's outside of everyone's circle right now, right? How would you feel about Rex? Do you remember how Rex, how it went poorly here? What happened? How his defense fell apart. One of the ways his defenses fell apart was, if I remember correctly, they wanted to disguise and gussy up and dress so much at the line yeah. and try and run all these tricks. That no one could understand it? Well, No, it wasn't even that. It was that opposing offenses stopped giving them the time to do it. You just they go just, to the line. through quickly. Yeah, a little bit. You're going to go up there and we're going to snap the ball. And then you're not even going to have time to flash all this stuff. Yeah. Now, I don't know if Rex has evolved in the last 10 years. Oh, man. I mean, do we think? How likely is that to have happened? I'm not saying he it couldn't, but how how likely him sitting on the, the the desk at Get Up at ESPN has he learned about schematics when it comes to defense in today's game? I don't think it's going to go well. I, I think he'll probably roll out the same exact defense he left with. Exact same thing. So could it work? Maybe. Denver's got a, a lot of good talent. On that defensive side of the football, but it's a weird it's a weird hire if you don't have a relationship with the guy because he's been working on TV for seven years and he must have some he must have Peyton must have some knowledge of Rex's defense to think that hey that'll work with the guys we got and for what I want in a coordinator that that'll be fine that'll work. Or is it just he wants a big, I don't big name? I don't even know what it is. Before his, before his stop in Buffalo, Rex is he 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 was great. He coached defense very yeah. well. He's with the Ravens. He's with the Jets. The Jets had great defenses. They won playoff games. I mean, Rex is the kind of coach that if his quarterback was any better than Mark Sanchez, would he have gone farther? Isn't that fair to wonder? He's got a better win percentage without Tom Brady than Bill Belichick does. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his defenses. He's never he has been a defensive coordinator or a head coach for 12 years and he has never had a defense lower than 19th and 19th was his last two years with the Bills. Yeah. This was the it's not otherwise he had man this is this is crazy. So 
10 non-Bills years as a coordinator and a head coach. He had one year outside the top 10 defensively, and it was 11th. That is that I, is pretty damn good. I was about to make a comparison that would be ridiculous, but I'll do it anyway. It's like Scotty Bowman winning cups everywhere but here. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's... that's the, I get it. But that's like Rex. Kind of. He was great everywhere, and then came here, and it was a disaster. Right. His defenses were terrible. It's 19th. He had a cr- was it only seen as a disaster because they were like top five before he got here? Yes, he walked That's, into a, okay, right. He walked That's into fair. a defense that was fully formed and good. Yeah, and the idea was he got hired to take them to the next level. And then in his second game, Tom Brady came in and had the best day of his career. And he refused to say that they got run over because it was all through the air. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Ah, the good old days of Rex Ryan. Maybe he's back. Maybe he's back in the league soon enough. Uh, and of course. Oh, Rob Ryan was Peyton's defensive coordinator, what, in New Orleans? He was. He was. Okay. So they must have a relationship He's got to know him. Yeah, sure. Of course he knows him, even if he hasn't now, worked with him before. Th- there's one. You want to look at, look at the history of Rob Ryan's defense. That's never – he's had almost no success. Rex has had success as a defensive coach. Rob Ryan has had very little. Rob Ryan is a defensive coordinator. Overall defense. He had a fourth-place finish with New Orleans in 2013, a third-place finish in 2006. Every other year, he was 15th or lower, yep. including one, two, three, four years out in 30th or lower. Four years as a defensive coordinator, he was the 30th-ranked defense or lower. Could we put Rob wow. Ryan in this category that was a coordinator but never got a head coaching job, but always But he wasn't good. But, he, but the, the difference there is he was never... Wow. Yeah, be enemy behind, you know. Be enemy said success. So I wouldn't put him in that same category. But Rob Ryan will be on that staff too, probably, won't he? Well, that's the next, <laughs> I guess, part of the question. Is this story about Rex out there just to get him maybe more money at ESPN? Did you see Schefter yesterday and Dan Orlovsky? That he got two coaching offers? Yes. Could well the difference there? I might be ready to to agree with that if it was Schefter over someone at ESPN. Isn't it a little weird that the NFL Network guy is the one that's reporting on the ESPN guy getting a head coaching job? That's probably or defensive coordinator. I would say that's probably that makes more sense. You don't want to report on somebody in company as potentially leaving the company. But I'm, Schefter did do that. Okay. On Orlovsky. All right, fair enough. Hmm. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Maybe Rex is back. Does he want to leave his cushy television gig to just go work and grind 18-hour days? Well, what's his, does he want to be a head coach again? I'd be surprised. If he ever became a coach or if he wanted to be a coach. Wasn't that part of the problem here that he just he, he didn't really want to do it anymore? He was not as committed as he had been in the past? It, that's what it sounded like, it right? It sounded like he was cashing checks. He's 60 years old. Okay. Paul Hamilton on the other side. We'll shift gears to the Sabres. They won last night in uh, Anaheim, a 7-3 win over the Ducks, and we'll talk to Paul about uh, what went right as uh, the Sabres continue to try and crawl back into this playoff race. That they're not that. I mean, they're in it, but you know, outside of the top eight, um, two points last night, very, very good. So Paul's on the way next here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
Pretty determined play. Here's Middlestad. Scores! Casey Middlestad with that shot. Blasted by Dostal in Buffalo. Regains the lead in Anaheim. It's 4-3. Dan Dunleavy on the call. The first moments of the game. For the moments in life go forth to first. Time to get off to Mr. Paul Hamilton on last night's Sabres report. Paul's reports on WGR brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Thinking about today and planning for tomorrow and by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we've got this. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you guys? Paul, everything lined up perfectly last night because the old uh, the phrase we've been using, outscore your mistakes. The Sabres <laughs> even had one of those things that they've had lately where they give up a bunch of goals in a short period of time and they just scored enough goals to overcome it anyway. Well, that's what I think that really Don Grinnell will like about this win is they had some adversity and they overcame the adversity and, you know, one going away. You know, you have a 2 nothing lead. Everything's going well. You outshot the Ducks 19-3. to You hit three pipes, two posts and a crossbar, and you're still sitting there only up 2 nothing, and all of a sudden three goals go in. Now you're down three to two, but they didn't panic. Like that's the thing that I told you it can't crept into their game that we hadn't seen in over a year. Well, it didn't take long when uh, Fowler scored that goal to put the Ducks in the lead. It only took 35 seconds for Krebs to tie it, and you know that to me was the biggest goal of the game right there when Krebs tied it. And then Casey Middlestat before the period ended, and it was the, the Saber. That was another thing the Sabers were doing. They were getting outnumbered situations and passing every time. I mean, somebody's got to convince Jack Quinn that he's got a great shot. I mean, he's got one of the best shots on the team, and he wants to pass every time he walks in. And he did it twice, and it, that was the thing. Well, Casey Middlestat understood that, so when he got a chance. He starts looking across the ice like he's going to pass. Well, Dostal bit on it because it's like, well, every single time they've come down outnumbered, they've passed the puck. They haven't shot it. So Casey Middlestat gave the impression he was going to pass the puck. He even gave a little little bit of a fake for a pass and then just shot the puck towards the net and, 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 and made a nice shot to score. Dostal was leaning. Dostal thought that he was passing the puck for sure. And uh, that gave Buffalo the lead before they left uh, for the second intermission. But really smart play by Casey Middlestad. On Quinn, Paul, he does get on the score sheet last night with a pair of assists. I'm just looking at his game log. It is just the third game in which he has registered a point in two months. He has been very, very quiet for this group. He has, and quite honestly, I thought he... If he wasn't their best player, he was very close. If I were picking the stars, he would have been my first star of the game, despite passing the puck. But the the thing is, he was on the two-on-one, helped produce the two-on-one. He just passed when he should have shot a couple of times. But he did wind up getting a couple of assists. He, you know, he, That Krebs goal I told you about, Quinn made a great play on. And the Gergensen's goal, Quinn made a great play on also. So he got a couple of assists. I thought he was good at both ends of the rink. I thought he competed uh, for pucks and 
probably I would have made him the first star of the game. Quite he didn't get a star, but I I just thought he might have been Buffalo's best player. How, how about his overall game coming along? I'm just I'm, his game log is kind of fascinating, Paul. It took him uh, to his fifth game this year to score a point, and then he did not have more than one game without a point until the stretch I just mentioned. December 15th, then it gets to like these eight and nine game droughts after a good solid two months of never going more than one game without finding himself on the score sheet. Yeah, he and Paterka both got right. Remember, remember when the the talk was, well, the Sabres had two really good lines now, you know, because Cousins was centering that line and they were contributing and everybody's like, well, this is and they were right. This is great because it takes pressure off the Thompson line. You don't have to always to be depending on the Thompson line to be scoring all the time. So, you know, and that that was one of the big reasons everybody felt, and rightfully so, that that's why the Sabres are leading the league in goals because now they got two uh, bona fide lines that can put the puck in the net for them. And then all you need is a contribution here and there from the other two lines, which they were also getting. Uh, so, it, but it doesn't surprise me. I, I'm not down on Jack Quinn or, or J.J. Paterka. I still think they're both going to be very good players. And, uh, you know, they just have to find their way. And right now they're they're still trying to find their way. And they're, they're going to have inconsistent games. But uh, And I thought Paterka coming back after being benched for a game, I thought he him coming back was – I thought he had a pretty nice game too. Not not as good as Quinn, but I I, I kind of liked Paterka's game last night. Paul twenty three to three, I think shots were when the Sabers were up two nothing in the second, and then it's goal 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 in five minutes, and that's three games in a row now. Where second period too, coincidentally, it's all come where it's just they give up a bunch in just a few minutes of play. Is there something that you're seeing that is causing that? Are we still even able to say it's? A coincidence after three games in a row? Like, what is happening that they're they're getting scrambled and they're allowing multiple goals in a short amount of time? Well, in the other two games, it was just the puck was going in and the, the uh-oh came in. And then they started chasing the puck all over the ice instead of playing their positions. Uh, that really wasn't uh, what we saw in, in this particular case. Now, in those three games, they've given up two four-goal periods and two three-goal periods. I mean, that should happen once every every little while. All right, one one of one or the other, but not both twice. And this was a three-goal period they gave up. Well, look look at how those goals were scored. Defensemen. This has been a bugaboo for them all year. Their their forwards are completely oblivious about defensemen coming in from the point. I don't know why, you know, as a forward, your head is, you, t- you get taught this in peewee. As a forward, your head has to be on a swivel. You have to understand that that point man is going to be your guy should he come and join in. And they're, they're just completely oblivious. And Fowler, you know, his shot, one, the first shot was a screenshot from the point. But one of Fowler's goal and Shattenkirk's goal are simply they snuck in and nobody, nobody picked him up. And they they became an outnumbered because of them sneaking in, and uh, that's what the problem was in those goals. It just well, you know, as I say, one's a screen. There's really not much you're going to do on that, except maybe give your goaltender a chance to be able to see the puck and get somebody out of there that's screening them. But the the other two were, were once again just 
the guys just not paying attention to what they should be paying attention to, and the defenseman winds up free and it's in the net. Paul, the Ducks are one of the worst teams in the league and probably would be happy to sell off any pieces. Did you do any scouting? Is there anybody over there the Sabres should be thinking about trying to grab as a rental or anybody that Anaheim might dump off? Well, you know, I've never been a Shattenkirk fan, so let's not get too excited about that. Klingberg, it's where he's been playing, I mean, I think. I don't think he's gotten that bad, but I just don't think – I think he's playing on a really bad team, and he's looking bad. Yeah. Um, you know, he's had some good years in Dallas, but, uh, you know, I, I haven't, I didn't, haven't liked what I've seen at all playing, playing for the Ducks. Fowler, you know, I don't know if he's a piece that they're looking to get rid of. Uh, you know, he's, he's always impressed me as, as a pretty good offensive defenseman who can get into rush and, and help you points wise and that type of thing. I mean, of course, I love Zegris, but they're not trading him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so, you know, Zegris is really what they're building around right now. And Metavish and Zegris, those are the those are the young pieces that, you know, they're going to be moving forward with. Paul, what about the, the, uh, the changed up lines a little bit? This was game two, really, of of Granado shaking it up. Um, the Krebs, Middlestat, Quinn line scored a couple goals at 5-on-5. Five five. So I, I guess the new combo with Thompson, Skinner, and Tuck being the same, what are you, what are you seeing? Yeah, um, th- that was the most important one, I think, that the Thompson line was still together. And they, they moved some of the other pieces. I mean, Casey Middlestat has quietly picked up 16 points in his last 21 games. And scored a couple of goals because you shot the puck. I mean, we've been sitting there since Casey Middlestat was drafted saying, it seems like you have a pretty good shot if you would use it, you know, type of a thing. And, and let his last couple of goals were simply the, he shot the puck and, and showed us what a good shot he had. So um, I, I kind of liked what we saw. And I, I liked the fact that Krebs, and I've said all along, I, I did like that Krebs was with, Gergensen's in Oposo for a while. I think he learned a lot. I think he learned a lot for his overall game and could still chip in a little bit. And uh, But he became a different player. And I, I said, this isn't going to be forever. He's not going to always be their center. I think it was just to get him going in the NHL, and then they moved him. And, you know, I, I liked the line that he centered, and he, he produced a couple of points. Uh, playing on that line, I think Jost is just fine playing with Gergensen's and and with Oposo, you know, as as a change up line type of a thing. So you know, I thought it worked a little bit better, but wasn't wholesale changes either. It was changes to a you know a couple of the lines, and, and they seemed to work pretty well. Do you think Jost is a uh, middle to long term answer on a bottom six? Yeah, the only thing I. I, I it's just another small guy, but yeah. I've liked his play, you know. But you got him on waivers, so I think it's a, good, a very good pickup. Yeah, um, I don't think he's helped the penalty kill. He did when he first got here, but the the results on the penalty kill now, you know, really have not been there because I thought for sure once he came in and Samuelson and. I think Samuelson. That's just about when he was back in in action again, and you got Yoki Haru back in Labushkin. Okay, their penalty kill will be okay. 
and for a while it was, but uh, it really hasn't been great all that well. So I don't think he's really helped the penalty kill all that much. But uh, I, I overall, I have liked his play. And then quickly, Paul, on the goaltending. The last two wins are with Eric Comrie in goal. Is he slowly, I know he didn't have a lot of shots in either of those two games, but can you see him slowly working his way back into the rotation more and more? He won. Um, the Winnipeg game, I liked him a lot. I thought he played really well. This game, he was okay. I, a couple of times I said to myself, I could have used a save there. It wasn't like, oh, I want that goal back. But it was all. But I, I said to myself, I, I really could use to save there, you know, to keep my my guys going type of a thing. If if I'm a a, a coach, if I'm a, the Sabers coach and that type of thing. But he once the goals start, once that second Fowler goal went in, he slammed the door after that for the last 26 minutes of the game and actually did make some good saves. You got the save that you needed. Um, I'm trying to think. It might have been after the tuck goal. Uh, in the third period, they came right off the faceoff and down two on one, and he made two really good saves there. So he only made 19 saves in both of his last two games. Uh, the Winnipeg game, I thought he played really well. I didn't think he was awful in this game, but it's only the third time all year that he's won won two games in a row. So uh, the other two goalies have struggled just their last couple of times out, but I. I still would, I think, have Lukanen in goal for the Sharks game, if I were the, if I were the coach of this. Actually, I would have Lukanen in goal for this game, only because I did, wouldn't want him to sat sit on that last seven goal game as long as he's had to sit on it. I would have liked to get get gotten him in the crease and say, all right, if I want Comrade in the game, I'll put him in against the Sharks. I want to get Lukanen in right away and get him back in the, in the net. So I would have done it differently, just for the mental makeup of Lukanen. Next up, San Jose. Thanks, Paul. Take care, guys. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline. Again, his reports brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Thinking about today and planning for tomorrow and by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. They'll play the Sharks next and then come back from this road trip. Also, Devin Levi, Sabres prospect, Northeastern goaltender, just won the bean pot. Uh, semifinalist for the Mike Richter Award that goes to the best college goaltender. He won All it right. last year. He's a semifinalist again. When we get back, there's an event going on this weekend. A professional sports league is taking a bit of a gamble. You might want to tune in to see how it pays off. I'll tell you what that is next. Okay, very quickly, before we get to Joe Marino of the Draft Network and the Locked on Bills podcast, ooh, a good meaty football segment for you on the other side. Joe, do you know where Carter Finley Stadium is? Uh, no. It's in Minnesota. It is not in Minnesota. No, I do not know. Carter-Finley Stadium will host an event Saturday night, 8 p.m. Uh-huh. It's an NHL outdoor game. Stadium series? Yes. Okay, Capitals and Penguins? Because I've seen the jerseys. Capitals and Hurricanes. Capitals and Hurricanes. Okay. Ra- Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, is this is this a racetrack? No, it's the NC State. It's a okay. football stadium. But Raleigh, North Carolina, outdoor game. So last year they did Nashville. They got an outdoor game in Nashville. Yep. Gary Bettman at the All-Star game said they'd like to do Florida, Florida but weather could be a factor. <laughs> the you NHL is actually, if you look at the forecast, the 10-day forecast for Raleigh, yeah. because that's where this game is. Today the high in Raleigh is 77. 
<laughs> you could not play today, right? Right? The, the low. Not, I think the ice is the first thing you think about. Yeah. How are players in all that equipment going to play in seventy-seven degree heat? Well, it's at night. Tonight, okay. they've also played games in L.A. too. They've played outdoors in L.A. Yes, that's right. They the temperature goes down to sixty-four tonight. Okay. Uh-huh. Friday, the high is sixty-eight and rain. Yikes. The low Friday is 31. Now to ga- game day, Saturday. Raleigh, North Carolina, the high is only 54. Okay. And Ex- the low Saturday night is 35. That's that's beautiful, actually, right? Can they maintain the ice at 35 degrees outdoors? They might have. Sure. On this gamble, they might have found the only day they could do it. 35 on it- Saturday night as the low. It doesn't get any lower than that in Raleigh, according to you know like the Weather Channel's website, for the rest of the the twenty day forecast. This right. is this is the best window. possible day. They hit it. Yeah, they hit their window. They had a one in twenty chance of hitting the right day, <laughs> and they happened to do it. Can you imagine if it was tonight? It was sixty four degrees. They, they couldn't play, right? They they couldn't play. There's no way. Thirty degrees above freezing. I know they're they're probably having su- they have s- cooling systems under the ice that could keep it ice but playable at 64 mm-hmm. 35 i think they'll be okay and they've pers- probably played outdoor games above 35 degrees i think so yeah there was that there was a one of the first winter classics penguins and capitals didn't they move it to, to at night evening because it was so warm and, and the ice was melting and i think and- it started raining at the end of the game don't don't quote me on that. I feel like I remember it, even, even if it was just a, a sprinkle, that it started raining in that game. So thirty five, I think they'll okay, but they'll be okay. But wow, any other day they would have been, they probably would have been screwed. But thirty five, they should be fine. So the high for the Nashville game was forty five. Temperatures dropping into the low forties around puck drop. So Nashville would have been warmer. Okay. Than this one. When do they think they're going to do a Florida outdoor game? That's a great question. When in Florida is that possible? I, I mean, are they I, I are no they going? Idea. Is Jacksonville colder than Miami? Yes. Okay, so Jacksonville, right? The real the other story at night in January. How cold does it get in Jacksonville in January? Well, today in Jacksonville it is sixty three, and the low is the the low is sixty three. Let's go to Saturday when it's going to be the low on Saturday is fifty. So could they do fifty? They could try. They're not going to do much better than that. They're not going to do much better than fifty. And right, it's you got to you got to hit your numbers because the rest of the week in Jacksonville, the lows are in the sixties and the highs are in the eighties. Right. So good luck with your ice. Yeah. Um, also, Noel Vetchkin, his father died, and he's away from the team for That's a while. That's why he's so, away. Okay. Yeah, his father died, so no, likely Noel Vetchkin for the uh, stadium series. Okay, football. When we get back, Joe Marino, the Draft Network, and the Lockdown Bills podcast next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.